Happy Friday. I'm James Hellman from the Washington Post, and this is the Daily 202 for March 30th. In today's news, Jeff Sessions says he won't appoint a second special counsel. John Kelly is being excluded from more big decisions. And Laura Ingram apologizes to a Parkland survivor. But first, the big idea. Visuals, metaphors, and ego motivated Trump to take a harder line on Putin. Donald Trump has defiantly refused to criticize Vladimir Putin in public, even as he's authorized increasingly hawkish policies to counter Russian bellicosity. Administration officials are signaling this may soon change, and the president's alpha male inclinations are a big reason why. The United States this week ordered the largest expulsion of Russian spies in U.S. history. Two weeks ago, Trump agreed to impose sanctions on 19 Russians for alleged interference in the 2016 election. In December, he authorized the export of lethal weapons to help Ukraine fend off Russian-backed separatists in the East, going much further than Barack Obama ever had. Yet just 10 days ago, the president called Putin and congratulated him for securing another term, even after his own national security team gave him briefing materials that said in all caps, quote, do not congratulate. Trump invited Putin to meet soon, and he did not bring up the poisoning of former Russian spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter in Britain. Two new stories out this morning offer a revealing window into Trump's psychology and how he's been persuaded to take a harder line against the Kremlin despite his personal reticence to do so. My Post colleagues John Hudson, Shane Harris, and Josh Dossie have some great inside-the-room reporting from the session at which Trump made up his mind about how to respond to the poisoning of Skripal. The three options presented to the president were described to him as light, medium, and heavy. The light option called for expelling 30 spies while leaving the Seattle consulate intact. The medium option, which the president ultimately chose, expelled 48 officials at the embassy in Washington and 12 at the UN mission in New York and shuttered the Seattle consulate, where a lot of corporate espionage work has been done. U.S. officials declined to spell out what the heavy option was. They don't want to preview steps the president could still take in response to Moscow's retaliation. But one official notes that U.S. counterintelligence officials are aware of well over 40 Russian spies who continue to operate inside the United States and were not included in the initial purge. The administration official described the internal debate using boxing metaphors. If you go heavy now and the Russians really retaliate, we would be more limited in what we can do later, this person said. With the medium option, you're throwing a solid punch, but withholding a fist. The president was persuaded by that option. A new report from NBC News quotes multiple unnamed senior administration officials saying that the puzzling divide between Trump's policy decisions and public posture on Russia stems mainly from his stubborn refusal to be seen as appeasing the media or critics who question his silence and kind words for Putin. Behind the scenes, according to the officials who were talking to NBC, Trump has recently taken a much sharper tone on Putin, but the shift seems more a reaction to the Russian leader challenging the president's strength than any kind of new belief that he's actually an adversary. Putin's claim earlier this month that Russia has new nuclear-capable weapons that can hit the United States, a threat he underscored with a video animation simulating an attack 
with missiles raining down on the part of Florida where Mar-a-Lago is, really got under the president's skin, officials said. An argument that president's national security team has found to be successful when trying to persuade Trump to adopt aggressive Russian policies is that Putin, as a strongman, responds to strength, and the way to achieve better relations is to be tougher. Two American officials say Trump told Putin during that phone call last week, the do not congratulate call, that, quote, if you want to have an arms race, we can do that, but I will win. Trump added during the call that he hopes Putin's comments about the new nukes were just election rhetoric. Then he noted that he just secured a $700 billion defense budget, which he said is the largest the U.S. has ever had. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Attorney General Jeff Sessions rebuffed, at least for now, a call from Republican leaders to appoint a second special counsel to investigate the FBI's handling of the Russia investigation. Sessions wrote in a letter that Justice Department regulations call for such appointments only in extraordinary circumstances and that he would need to conclude the move would serve the public interest, which he is not. But Sessions did reveal that he has asked John Huber, the U.S. attorney in Utah, to spearhead a broad review of the very topics legislators want investigated. Those include the FBI investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election, as well as several matters related to Hillary Clinton and her family's foundation, as well as the surveillance of former Trump aide Carter Page. Number two, Trump's nomination of White House physician Ronnie Jackson to be the new Secretary of Veterans Affairs caught many in the White House off guard, including Jackson himself. Jackson was taken aback by the nomination and hesitated to accept such a big job, especially considering that this is the government's second biggest bureaucracy and he has no management experience. But the president pushed him to do it. A senior White House official says the interview process was informal and there was no vetting which would typically accompany any other cabinet selection. Meanwhile, the process exposed more slights for White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, who appears increasingly out of the loop. He spoke with then-VA Secretary David Shulkin on the phone Wednesday morning and reassured him that he would not be fired anytime soon. But just hours later, Kelly had to call Shulkin back to tell him that the plan had changed. Trump was about to fire him by tweet. This is part of a pattern. Kelly is losing standing with Trump as the president makes more major decisions without asking the former Marine general for his thoughts. Kelly was not with the president when he abruptly ousted H.R. McMaster last week and hired John Bolton as national security advisor. And he's rarely on the line anymore when Trump calls foreign leaders, including that call with Putin last week. Number three, Fox News host Laura Ingram apologized for taunting Parkland school shooting survivor David Hogg for being rejected by several colleges. Her apology came after seven companies announced they would pull ads from her show. In response to the taunts, Hogg urged his followers on social media to call up Ingram's sponsors and pressure them to boycott her show. Within 24 hours, several had complied. Though Ingram says she decided to apologize, quote, in the spirit of Holy Week, Hogg did not accept the apology, claiming that she was just trying to save her advertisers. The kerfuffle is a reminder of how corporations are becoming more sensitive to pressure campaigns and also the continuing power of these young people from Florida, even after last weekend's marches.
And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, March 30th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you on Monday.